It's time, Fort Wayne. Your sports, your station. It's, it's the, the Sports, sports Rush, Rush with Brett Ruff. Covering all the topics that hit a nerve here in the Summit City. Clark, 11 yard touchdown. Only on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Now here's your host, Brett Rump. The greatest, most interesting, most important person of all time. You are It is the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6. I am Brett Rump along with Adam Lundy. Shooter. You know it, man. Last name Lundy. Yeah, Seth Lundy, brother, brother Seth, tearing up the Hoosiers the other night. We look just alike. There's a phrase for that I won't use. (laughs) We, um... I don't even know where I was going with this, but we've got a big hour on the way, including Dustin Dupirak, who will talk about the Pacers and uh, their status with health injuries. Of course, number of guys that are at this point questionable. We'll see if there's any answers to that question. Uh, we do know Tyrese Halliburton is going to be out for at least a couple of weeks. My, you know, my guess, these types of things happen. He's got multiple injuries. They think they're going to recover fairly quickly. I would not be surprised if Tyrese Halliburton could be out until the All-Star break. I think that's about four weeks. They say two. But I'm kind of feeling like, you know what? You want a 100% Tyrese Halliburton. You don't want to take any chances. There's probably going to be these reasons with back-to-backs and everything. I don't know what the schedule is. But my guess is you might not see him now. They do play... Early February, they do play the Lakers at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. And, you know, depending on what LeBron does, he has to light it up pretty much. He has got to go (laughs) for like 45 a game. Yeah. But if he starts really uh, putting up some numbers, it is an outside chance. He could become the NBA's all-time leading scorer, all-time historical leading scorer in that game here at Gamebridge Fieldhouse in Indianapolis. But he has to go big. I. Are you looking at something? I'm just looking at the uh, Lakers schedule now, seeing uh, what what games they have around that. They, they oh, have you the, know who they got the day before? Yeah, they have the Knicks the game before that. So if, if LeBron was able to do the math, and I think he would be capable of doing it, um, I would say LeBron would want to do it at Madison Square Garden because of all the history. If, Absolutely. I mean, it's like a musician at Carnegie Hall, right? I mean. It, it just seems like that's where you'd want to set the record. Not at a small Midwestern town surrounded by cornfields in <laughs> Indianapolis. And I can say that because I've lived my whole life in Fort Wayne. So, you know, now if you're not a towner and you come in and start talking about our state being a bunch of cornfields, i got to have a word with you. But I can say it because we can laugh about it. Um, 46862, Parkview Sports Medicine text line. Pacers tonight hosting the Atlanta Hawks. They're right back on home court tomorrow night. Hosting the Memphis Grizzlies. Grizzlies will have some rest. They've got a couple of nights off before they come into Indianapolis tomorrow night. 
And, of course, it is the lone appearance of the Grizzlies at Gainbridge Fieldhouse, which means it's the only trip to Indiana for John Conchar, former Mastodon, who is playing in a, well, a multiple role. He has been a starter when they've had some injuries in their starting lineup, so he has started a good share of games. He's also been a sixth or seventh man. He's also been an eighth or ninth man because they get into these rotations And it's always funny, in the NBA, everything is done based on the clock. In other words, six-minute mark of the first quarter, you might have two guys come in off the bench. At nine minutes, you might have another two come in off the bench. Then at the end of the quarter, you'll have two guys that come back into the game, and then maybe two minutes later, you'll have another sub. Everything is kind of set up by the chart that goes with the clock, and And it's funny because I almost know, depending on when his first rotation is into the game, when he will be back. Because if you're if you're in like the late rotation first quarter, you might end up playing into the second quarter. But then you may not even play in the second half because of the rotations they have then in the second half. You could get skipped over altogether or play just a three minute stint to start the fourth. So, uh uh, we'll see what he uh, ends up being on the court. And with, with Conchar, what they do is they move him in the rotation, and it might be scout-driven as far as who you know who they feel they need for that particular opponent that they're playing. But I think also it is minutes-driven. If he has started a couple of games and gone 26, 27 minutes, then he might go as the eighth or ninth man so that his minutes are down to like 12 or 13 or 14 in those backup roles because some of the guys off the bench will still play close to 20 minutes of a ball game. So, uh, but uh, yeah, he is here against the Pacers or here in Indiana against the Pacers coming up tomorrow night. I'm hoping to get down there. I hope you can make it down I've not there. Not had anybody text the show. I haven't gotten a direct message yet. Anybody say. that's got that extra ticket, just burning a hole in their pocket that they're like, you know, we could give this to uh, our afternoon radio host. Um, no, I, I don't have a ticket, so I, I don't know if I'll be able to, to make it down there or not. Oh man. And I don't do nosebleeds and I don't overpay for premium seating. I'm a bargain shopper that wants to be down close to the court. That's, that's, that's pretty difficult. I got it done. Hey, I got it done in Miami, man. (laughs) hundred bucks a ticket. And I was like ninth row. You did you saw the pictures, right? Oh yeah, you had great seats. Great yeah. seats, and those were a hundred bucks a ticket. Now, when I started lurking, they were like two fifty, two seventy five, three fifty. But I got them the morning of the game, and they were down to a hundred bucks a ticket, and I bought them. And I think their face value was like three hundred bucks. Um, but we were uh, under the basket, but we were still right there where you could almost hear the players talking. We were that close. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what happens with, uh, it is Memphis. And if jaw doesn't play, I don't know. We'll see what happens. We'll see. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at tickets right now and I'm not seeing a whole lot of lower bowl for under 200 bucks there. Remember, I only need a single seat. True. But we're talking 200 plus. Somebody finds out, Hey, you know, my buddy can't go, got an extra ticket, that kind of thing. There you go. They sometimes have to unload the single tickets cheap. That's why my son goes to Florida Panthers games. He's more than willing and seems to enjoy going to Florida Panthers games all by himself. Yeah, I don't mind going to a sporting event by myself either. I went down to... You don't have much choice, but he, I mean, 
<laughs> he, True. He, he he does. He has choices. He's got he's got, he's got friends. He has friends. <laughs> he's got friends. He's got people that would be willing to actually go with him. And and he chooses to go to these Panthers games by himself. And uh, and so he uh, he will often get like a $40 ticket as a single seat. And sometimes he's in like the corner, but he's in the fifth row. I mean, he gets ridiculously good tickets uh, last second for a single seat. So anyway, uh, <laughs> the uh, boy, that was fun. Uh, all right. So Jim Ursay has decided to speak out and it just seems to make this whole situation with the Indianapolis Colts more and more ridiculous. And it seems less likely that anybody with any high levels of integrity that is looking for a head coaching position is going to really seek the Indianapolis Colts head coaching job. Uh, after we just heard Chris Ballard talk about this falls on me, it's my responsibility. Ultimately, these decisions uh, come through me. Jim Ursay has decided to speak up and essentially say, no, they come through me. Because the owner of the Indianapolis Colts wrote a letter to fans today, and it starts off talking about how disappointing it's been for the season, how much he wants to win for the fans. But then it gets into the part that I find the most interesting. As I've always said, the responsibility for making us better ultimately falls on me. And our off-season work has already begun. Now, in that phrase, a couple of things. One, he's saying... Yes, Chris Ballard stood in front of everyone and said it was on him, but in reality, it's on me because I am actively engaged here. Because when he says our off-season work has already begun, it somewhat implies that Jim Ursay is very actively involved with the decision-making that's going on with the Indianapolis Colts. And I understand he may want to have a say in who the next head coach will be, but I hope he's not the ultimate decision. He said, it includes our search for the next head coach. Preparing for an important draft in April. And continuing to bolster the talented core players already on our roster. What is the role of Chris Ballard? To me, Jim Ursay just described it, but takes accountability and responsibility for it. And we've questioned whether or not Chris Ballard is a puppet or an active general manager that is making the calls, calling the shots. And here in this open public letter posted at Colts.com to Colts fans, Jim Ursay said, uh, we're preparing, we're searching for our next head coach. We're preparing for an important draft in April and continuing to bolster the talented core of players already on our roster. Um, you know, sometimes you think that maybe Jim Ursay just needs to back away from the limelight a little bit. Jerry Jones is still one of those guys that does talk quite a bit, but I thought early in the season, he was very engaged. In fact, even up until this off season, he was very engaged with reporters always having say about the, the team and its performance. And I feel like Jerry Jones hasn't had as much to say. Now he does do his local radio hit. But nationally, we've not heard as much from Jerry Jones. But this is something that's put out there for everyone. And the Colts obviously are going through and doing their due diligence. They're interviewing just about everybody that they can possibly interview for this head coach. 
I wonder what the actual criteria is. You know, they said they put together kind of a profile of what they were looking for in a head coach. I wonder what that profile exactly looks like. And what is the situation with Eric Bieniemy? He's been an assistant on Kansas City staff with Andy Reid for a long time, and every year his name surfaces when there's head coach openings, and yet everybody seems to pass on Eric Bieniemy. Is he an awful interview? Does he show up unprepared? I mean, I think he's gone through like 20 interviews for head coaching positions. And he's not got a head coaching job yet. Now, the Colts have uh, interviewed uh, Bubba Ventrone, who's on the staff. They've interviewed Eric Bieniemy, who was the one they interviewed today. Uh, they had another interview today. And uh, no word of Jim Harbaugh. But yet, uh, there's still talk out of Michigan. The Michigan uh, president, the university president, has spoken and said that they're currently going through talks with the athletic director and the head coach. And he said, I want to make it clear how much we want Coach Harbaugh to coach our University of Michigan Wolverines football team. And that we are heading with that goal in mind, which basically said uh, to, to the Michigan fan base, we will pay Jim Harbaugh whatever we need to pay Jim Harbaugh to keep Jim Harbaugh in Ann Arbor. And it seems like his name has died down a little bit as far as potential NFL openings. Um, but uh, cold search continues. And um, I'm trying to see because I thought I saw posted earlier today that there were more uh, more interviews being conducted for the Colts head coaching search. And, and you know what? There's so many names that are coming out now. There's like eight or nine names that are mentioned as far as candidates for that Colts, Colts head coaching job. I, I will get interested and start paying attention when they give me a name or two that I actually recognize because a lot of these guys, Eric Bietemi, I know. Um, ben Drone, I know because he was on the Colts coaching staff, but not, not much else. 46862, Parkview Sports Medicine text line. Do we have... Do we have some top headlines for today? Do you have some top headlines? Yes, we do. Well, let's hear them. Let's get them. Adam Lundy with today's top headlines. All right. Well, who exactly is in at quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens with Lamar Jackson ruled out now? John Harbaugh would not say after today's practice. Baltimore will either go with banged up backup Tyler Huntley with a messed up right shoulder or undrafted rookie Anthony Brown in their game against the Cincinnati Bengals. There's trouble for more than just the Baltimore Ravens. They're not the only team that is dealing with a key quarterback injury. Yeah, not a quarterback injury, but another key injury here in the NFL. Los Angeles Chargers wide receiver Mike Williams has a small non-surgical fracture in his back that is expected to sideline him two to three weeks and will be out for Saturday's wild card playoff game against the Jacksonville Jaguars. There you go, Brandon Staley putting himself on the line with a <laughs> dumb decision to play key players. You know, you've got to go through the roster when you've locked up your playoff spot a win or a loss in that final regular season game would have changed nothing. They were locked into that spot. They were not going to go up. They were not going to go down because of a win or a loss, which meant it was a meaningless game, completely meaningless. You've got to figure out what three or four players do I want to be sure are on the field, healthy and 100% when we go 
for our playoff game. He did not do that. He risked injury by playing them. Joey Bosa, or is it Joey or Nick? I think it's Nick. Nick is in uh, in Los Angeles. I can't keep track of the two and which one's <laughs> where. But uh, this Williams injury isn't just now missing this game. It sounds like he's out for weeks. Yes. Which means even if the Chargers advance, eventually they're going to miss this guy. Yeah, it would have to be a Super Bowl appearance basically for him to see the field again. One more for you. Outfielder Juan Soto and the San Diego Padres agreed today on a one-year $23 million contract, and that was to avoid arbitration. Well, you you now you've missed the uh, the other quarterback that's going to be out. Oh, I did. Tua Tungavailoa. Yes, yes. Tua Tungavailoa will be out. Has not cleared concussion protocol. And so they are going with, what is it, a rookie? Mm-hmm. Is it Thompson? What, what's the... I can't Skyler, even think... Skyler Thompson. Skyler Thompson. Yeah, another one of those guys that I've never hardly heard of before. He's going to be given the responsibility of running the Dolphins offense in Buffalo. It's his third career start. In Buffalo. And guess who might lead Buffalo out of the tunnel? Damar Hamlin. Damar Hamlin. Can you imagine that moment and the emotions? That would be Buffalo. something. Yeah, that if would be he awesome. He is the one that leads them out of the tunnel because he is now home. He's been released completely from the hospital. It has been great news for Damar Hamlin, and we might feel some of that emotion this weekend when Buffalo hosts Miami. There you go. Today's top headlines with Adam Lundy. Welcome back to the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6. I am Brett Rupp along with Adam Lundy, getting you into your sports weekend. Of course, it's going to be a busy weekend down at Gainbridge Fieldhouse, Indianapolis, because the Pacers are going to be home back-to-back tonight against the Hawks, tomorrow night against John Conchar and the Memphis Grizzlies. Okay, maybe it's John Morant and the Memphis Grizzlies, but you don't know if John's going to play. Been dealing with an injury, so... Let's get the rundown of how the Pacers' health looks because that's going to be important right now. And, uh, you know, the Pacers trying to play without one of their star players. What's the status of some of the other guys? Let's find out because Dustin Doperak from the Indy Star covers the Indiana Pacers beat is joining us right now with the Masters Heating and Cooling Hotline. And, uh, Dustin, that's kind of the story right now is midseason health and who's available. What uh, What is the latest status you know for tonight's game and maybe for the weekend? Yeah, obviously the first news uh, came out yesterday. Tyrese Halliburton is going to be out for at least two weeks uh, with a left elbow sprain and a left knee bone contusion. So uh, you know, that's obviously tough. He's you know certainly uh, their franchise cornerstone. He's playing like an all star. He's uh, you know depending on uh, whether or not James Harden is technically qualified that day for a number of games, he's the NBA's leader in assists. So that's a significant loss. Obviously, he's been the driving force for how they've been able to play and just, just the fun style of basketball that they ha- they've had. He's been really terrific for the last, uh, especially for the last 12 games. You know, going back to that next game that they lost, you've had, had some sensational performances, the 43-point effort against Miami, the 33 points against Boston. Uh, so he's really been tremendous. So that's a, a pretty significant loss. Obviously, the good piece there is that uh, Andrew and Emhart already had to take over from two games in the beginning of December, uh, including the night where he had 31 points and 13 assists to beat Golden State on the road. So I mean, they, they know that he can do it and hang in there. Uh, they've always got to shuffle up the lineup, and we're not sure, sure how they're going to do that yet. Uh, there's still a couple other guys we're still sort of waiting some word on as of, uh, as of the latest injury report. Miles Turner, uh, Aaron Neesmith, and uh, O'Shea Brissett are all listed as questionable. Obviously, Miles Turner was a late scratch. Um, on Wednesday with back spasms, 
Uh, Aaron Neesmith has, has been dealing with a non-COVID illness, and O'Shea Brissett has left hamstring soreness. Uh, so we'll see which of those guys is available. I mean, obviously, this, the back spasms thing is, is particularly tricky because you don't know, uh, you know, if, that, if that's a thing that can come back. Uh, you know, so don't have kind of any new update on Miles yet other than he's questionable and he's not out. Um, so that's generally good news, questionable. If, if that trends in the right direction, you can see all three of those guys playing, but obviously was a significant hit on, on Wednesday. They still managed to play a thrilling game with the next rally back from 25 points down to get within two. Uh, so it tells you something about just the, the, the spirit of this team. Basically, they're capable of when things go wrong. And they, they, again, they lost Halliburton in the third and still managed to really come back uh, behind Buddy Hill and Ben Matherin so that they can make a lot work even with a, uh, even when they're shorthanded. But, uh, you know, certainly, you know, Losing Halliburton for that that long is not good news, and you don't need to be playing without uh, guys like Turner and Neesmith and Brissett either. You're a guy short uh, at the guard position, and that's kind of important going into this weekend because you're dealing with a couple of really top guards in the uh, NBA. Well, I would say Eastern Division or Eastern Conference, but it's not the Eastern Conference because Memphis comes in from the West. But you got a couple of the top NBA guards in uh, Trey Young and and then. Um, You've got John Morant, uh, but that probably would not have been Halliburton's assignment on the defensive end, would it? Certainly not. No, it will be Nemhards, and it will be Nemhards uh, for sure. I imagine in both of those cases, he'll probably be taking on both of those guys. And he's done a terrific job of defense. I mean, Halliburton's interesting. I mean, he, they, they kind of try to hide him when it comes to assignments. But he seems to be real opportunistic when the ball ends up on the floor. He's got 1.8 steals a game, and that puts him, uh, I believe, third in the league. But I mean, he, no one would, would argue uh, on that team that he's the best perimeter defender. Uh, it's really either Andrew Nemhart or Aaron Neesmith, and, and usually Nemhart takes the smaller uh, of, of any top two you know, perimeter uh, matchups that are out there. Uh, he did a terrific job uh, against Steph Curry in that game uh, in San Francisco back in the beginning of December. I think he held him back. I want to say Steph was 3 of 17 for that game. It was pretty wild. I just came back to Gainbridge and, and, and had 38 points in the third quarter before he got hurt. And obviously, he just came back from that shoulder injury he got in that game. Um, but uh, Nemhard has proven he can take top, top guys. Uh, you know, really made, gave Damian Lillard all he could handle, uh, I want to say it was about a week ago against Portland. Um, and I think held him to, I want to say it was like 7 of 23 shooting in that game. So, I mean, uh, Nemhard can absolutely uh, get up in people. And so, you know, the the tough part is that he's going to have to be running the offense, you know, and, and taking on a pretty big offensive assignment and a really big defensive assignment. Uh, while Halliburton has been out there, Nemhard doesn't te- tend to shoot it a ton. He just kind of has to generally tries to just move the ball and then get back and, and really get into somebody on defense. So when he's got to do both, that obviously is going to tax him a little bit more. Um, but certainly, in this case, they have T.J. McConnell coming off the bench, uh, who can also uh, get get up after somebody. Uh, he was sick uh, last time when Halliburton was out, and Nemhard had to play without him. Without McConnell as kind of a backstop, uh, so that's particularly helpful that that that, that they'll have T.J. behind him too, that he could take on some of those minutes uh, when he's tra- chasing Trey Young uh, and John Morant around. They can bring McConnell in to take care of some of that uh, and and take a little bit off of Nemhard's plate while he's uh, you know just. While he's taking this role in Halliburton's absence, it's kind of interesting. The two of the guys that have been key players in the success of the Pacers so far this year are two guys that we didn't think were going to be here come uh, trade deadline time, and maybe that could still be the fact. But they're making a case that they're pretty valuable to this roster, and that this roster's much further ahead than where we as a throw-in for a Miles Turner trade. But Buddy Heald has become a real asset with his. 
he obviously things didn't go particularly well for him in Sacramento uh, as far as especially towards the end. Um, but I mean, which part of that stretch where Curry was out, he is leading the NBA in total three pointers made this season, and he's got he's got a pretty significant gap in it. Um, and yeah, I mean, his ability to knock down threes is is just it, it's just critically important for this group. It's been able to, to drag them back into a lot of games, and he has just a, a very very good connection with Halliburton. Obviously, they were in Sacramento together, uh, and Halliburton kind of used him as his big brother. I mean, they're they're not similar at all. <laughs> I mean, they have very very different personalities. Where Halliburton is sort of the golden child, and, and Buddy's the guy getting in trouble all the time. Um, <laughs> Halliburton is, I mean, they, they have a great connection, and I think uh, it, it's its kind of the core, you know, at the core of this just terrific uh, team chemistry uh, these guys have, but the thing about Buddy that everybody respects is that uh, you know, he plays his butt off and he doesn't sit out games, and he doesn't, and he works his butt off, and he's the type of guy that, you know, he'll stay around and keep shooting at the gym after everybody leaves, and he'll tell the rebounders to go home. He'll chase his own rebounds. You know, like, that's kind of who he is. I mean, he grew up, you know, kind of dirt poor in the Bahamas, and he's going as far as he can with this thing, and he's, uh, you know, just, again, he's in he's in great shape. He's a great shooter. He went through just a, a torrid stretch end of January, beginning of, uh, end of December, beginning of January. He's cooled off a little bit in the last couple games, but he had a big one, um, he did a really big second half against the Knicks to get him back in that game. So, you know, I, 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 he's obviously uh, very important if they're going to make a, a run for the playoffs this year. Um, and if they do package him in a deal with, with Miles Turner, they better get a massive, um, and I mean a massive, payoff for those two guys. I mean, I, I would think they're probably not going to trade Buddy at this point unless there's a huge a, a huge deal to be had um, that, that sort of guarantees you some, you know, like, uh, star level guys, some top, maybe a top five pick or something like that. You know, something would have to be, be gigantic for them to give up Turner and Heald, uh, together at this point because they, they do have a, I think, have a chance to be a part of, a big part of the future for the Pacers. Obviously, Turner, the issue still is, uh, you know, the fact that he, you know, his contract expires at the end of this year and they're going to keep working on that, I think, uh, at least up until the deadline. I'm sure that they're not going to, to quit on that until they know for sure that, uh, they're not going to be able to get him. Uh, they're not going to be able to keep him. And at that point, they might start looking at, looking for suitors. I mean, they might be, you know, operating on two tracks there, but all the same, I, I think they're starting to realize his value, you know, that there are certainly better centers in the NBA, but there aren't a lot of them. Um, and, you, you know, they're going to need a, a cornerstone big man if they're going to really get someplace, uh, whether it's this year, next year, or the year after. Um, so they obviously, I think, have to put as much in as they can to try to keep this guy because you don't know you can get if you can get somebody else like him. I was thinking about this uh, last week. Benedict Matherin, of course, a rookie. We've seen his ceiling. We've uh, well, close to his ceiling. We've seen how good he can be. Let's put it that way. We've also seen kind of how rough things can be, and it, it's typical for a rookie: ups and downs of being a rookie in the NBA. But I started to think if there's anything that the the coaching staff and Rick Carlisle can do to try to bring more consistency out of his game. Do you need to shorten minutes? Do you, does he need a a rest day? Uh, I mean, rookies are going through a schedule like they've never experienced before. What about the highs and lows of Benedict Matherin? Yeah, I mean, I guess the thing about it is, though, is if you really look at it, there have been so many more highs than lows. I mean, there's a couple of, you know, rough ones in the middle there. But generally, when he has a bad one, he comes back and gets, their, gets together pretty fast. I mean, mm-hmm. he hit a bunch of different walls and busted through them. I, I think that's what you got to give him credit for. Again, he's second among rookies in scoring. Uh, I think he is, um, at any given point in time, he's either one or two uh, in bench scoring. Uh, and coming off the bench and scoring. So, I mean, he, he, he can make a real play for six men of the year as a rookie. Probably has a better chance than that than he has to win a rookie of the year because I think Benchero is probably going to end up running yeah. away with that. 
but still, I mean, he's going to be, he's definitely, I mean, he'll probably finish second. Someone has to jump him uh, to get ahead of second, the rookie of the year balloting. He's got a real chance at six man of the year. So, I mean, he is, I mean, I, I think he's more consistent than he is not. Um, you know, it's just like, I, I think you obviously you get used to seeing him put together the star performances and you just start putting him in that category and you expect him to get 20 every single night. You got to be reminded that he is a rookie and every once in a while he'll have a one for nine like he had the other night. But I mean, if you really look at his game logs, I mean, there, there's more there, there's more good than there is bad by a long shot. There's a lot more double figure scoring performances, a lot more twenty point nights than there are you know single digit you know where was he tonight type of days. And and part of that obviously is he's the second unit. He's getting a lot of those shots. It's not a situation where he's out with the starters and you know one night it's Buddy and one night it's Tyrese and one night it's Miles. You know, and and the the shots get moved around when Matherin's on the floor. Generally, he's getting the ball. Um, now the, the issue with that is they, they know how to defend him. They know that okay, like what, what's he got? But I mean, he, I think he's really you know I mean, and the coaches have done a lot, a lot of work with him. I think you know Matherin would tell you, and, and Carlisle would tell you that Matherin's a guy who likes being coached, likes being pushed. And so every time he kind of runs into some kind of hurdle, where like okay, they, they figured out what I'm doing here, or, or I'm seeing you know double teams here, or they're, they're kind of stacking me up so I can't get this. How, <laughs> how do I counter that? How do I get something else? What's the next move? Uh, for me, and he generally figures that out pretty fast. And like they'll, he'll, he'll run to a bit of a roadblock, uh, but then he'll get through it because he'll generally come in and say, "Okay, what, what's the next thing I have to add to my game?" Um, and that's really been the case. And I talked to his, you know, coaches at Arizona, and they said kind of the same thing: is that that he's a guy that just really wants to learn, really wants to get better, and so he doesn't let a bad night, you know, just hold him down or anything like that. It's so, but it, it's obviously you've got to be more consistent. But a big part of that is just learning all there is to learn as a rookie. And when everybody's keying on you when you're on the floor, and that's generally the case he's in uh, on that second unit, he's the guy that everybody is looking at um, and, and everybody's trying to stop. Um, you know, you constantly have to figure out new wrinkles to your game because they figure out how to take one thing away, and you have to have a counter. And you have to have, to have a counter to the counter. Um, so I think he's learned that piece and that together. And I think if you really look at the, the long arc uh, of his season, you're seeing a lot of progress. He's got more uh, in his game now than he did at the beginning of the season. And part of it is he just has he's just so physically strong, and he just drives so hard. He just goes to the rim so hard that even when he's not making a shot that night, he's going to make somebody foul him. Um, or, or he's going to get a layup. And so that, I think, has made sure that he's at least getting something. Uh, even the nights when the shot's going down and the three hasn't gone down as much for him lately, but he is still finding a way to get his. That says something about, I think, how he's approaching this. Dustin Dopirak, Indy Star, joining us on the Masters Heating and Cooling Hotline. Pacers sitting in seventh place, a tiebreaker behind that coveted sixth spot with the New York Knicks. And is this sustainable? I know a lot of people want to make excuses that, or I don't know if it's an excuse, but they want to say, well, the Pacers didn't have the toughest schedule and they've got extra home games and, and what, and, and maybe teams have overlooked the Pacers a little bit early in the season. But as you see it and how you've learned this team, is it sustainable for the Pacers to stay here? Um, I, I definitely think more than it is than I, then if, if we talked about this a month ago, I would, I would say maybe not. Um, there's a reason to be concerned that maybe it isn't. Obviously, that they went out on that West Road trip at the end of November, beginning of December, and they only took two wins there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then you started to wonder, and then they came back, and they had a, 
uh, a couple tough, you know, they, they had some good wins in there, but then they got beat by a Brooklyn team that didn't play any of its guys, and they still thumped them on the boards. Um, and, and they got beaten that Knicks game. They blew a lead. They had a lead against Cleveland out there, and they performed really, really well in the first three, three and a half quarters, and then just the bottom fell out. And you're starting to think, okay, maybe not. You know, maybe they're, um, they have been lucky as far as scheduling and as far as they got some injury luck, you know, in terms of, not having that many themselves and seeming to always run into somebody that was missing a guy or missing mm-hmm. two guys and taking advantage of that. Um, but really, I would say since that game, and they won eight out of ten, they, they won eight out of ten going into last night. And so that's kind of the stretch that really told me that, that maybe it is sustainable, especially uh, really talking to Tyrese Halliburton through that stretch. Um, it, it seems this team, when it has a problem, it fixes it. And they, they had an issue with tough starts, and it kind of fixed that. And, but, like, really they were having major problems closing games. So, really, especially after they blew that game against the Knicks, Halliburton was like, okay, i gotta, I got to reconfigure my mindset here and talk to everybody and find out, okay, what do you guys want me to do down the stretch as far as what kind of play do you want me to call? What do you want me to set up? You know, like, like what am I, how much am I looking to bleed clock? How much am I looking to attack? You know, like, give me a better sense of what my mindset needs to be. And then they go out and they beat Boston, and he has 33. And then they go out and he beats Miami with 43, including the game, a game winner. Uh, and then, you know, they get thumped by New Orleans, but then they come back and win four in a row. And all of them were really, really strong closes. Put the Hawks away, put the Cavs away, put the Clippers away, put the Raptors away. Um, and especially really those two in the middle there, Cleveland and L.A., I mean, those are real playoff teams. Those are solid playoff teams um, that are that you can you, you can say right now that are going to be in there. And they beat them handily. And so they, they have reached the point, like, I mean, they're not the best team in the league. They're not going to be a title contender. But they can beat anybody on a given night. You know, they're, they're, they, they, anybody, anywhere. They, they went into Boston and won. Uh, you know, so do I think they can beat Boston in the seven-game series? No, I don't. But they can get them one time. And so if you can get anybody one time, then you're probably going to win more than you lose. And ultimately, that tells me that, like, you know, and that's generally where you got to be to be a, be a seven-eight seed in the playoffs is just win a couple more than you lose. And I, I just I think that's sustainable. I mean, again, do I think there's a title contender right now? No, I don't. Um, but as long as if if they keep Turner for whatever reason, or or if they trade him and they get a, a viable replacement that can do a lot of the things or at like almost as much as he can do, then I, I think it's sustainable to be at this level. They're winning more than they lose. Are they gonna? You know, are they gonna win fifty, fifty five, sixty? Obviously not. But I think it's certainly possible that they could, you know, be at the forty five, you know, forty seven mark and that gets you in the postseason. Pair home games, Atlanta Hawks tonight, Memphis Grizzlies tomorrow night, and you can get all the coverage through the Indy Star and Dustin Dopirak. Dustin, appreciate the time. Have uh, have a good weekend. Absolutely, you too. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. That is Dustin Dopirak joining us. As uh, We used to have him as one of our go-to guys for Indiana sports, and then Indy Star gave him the Pacers beat, and he's done a terrific job covering the Indiana Pacers and, in fact, probably been a little more fun than covering the Indiana Hoosiers. You know, we, we kept thinking during football season, well, things will get better at Indiana once the basketball season starts. Uh, no, not really. Uh, just about the same place. But Dustin Dopierak, always great when he joins the show. Uh, I tell you what, I don't know if the guy's caffeinated or he's got that much energy, but, man, does his mouth go, doesn't it? It's almost like that, that old uh, FedEx commercial where the guy's talking really fast because – Dustin Dopirak, man, he's hard to keep up with when he gets that uh, that tongue rolling. Woo! Uh, we will take a break. We're going to come back. We've got the NFL Super Wild Card Weekend. Not just the Wild Card Weekend. No, they've added a team, and so it's a Super Wild Card Weekend. 
We'll talk about some of the matchups and some of the key injuries because a couple of teams are going to be playing without the regular starting quarterbacks, and both of them have to play on the road. Uh, could be a quick exit for a couple of teams. Also, uh, the weekend schedule. What's ahead here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM? So don't go anywhere. It is the Sports Rush of 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. This is Maria Marcasano, head women's basketball coach at Purdue Fort Wayne, and you're listening to the Sports Rush with Brett Rump on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Welcome back to the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix. Four to six. I am Brett Rump, Adam Lundy in the producer's chair. Four six eight six two is Hoist Parkview Sports Medicine text line. And uh, right now, if you'd like to win. The uh, Comets four-pack for tickets to the Comets game coming up on January 21st. Now, that would be Saturday night, one week from tomorrow night. We've got a four-pack of tickets to the Comets January 21st game. And if you'd like to win, all you have to do is text the word PUCK. (laughs) Careful now. Yeah, I know. PUCK. And hopefully, if your autocorrect changes that, we know a lot about you. Yeah, you're doing a little bit too much uh, angry texting. Yeah, exactly. Rage text. Um, But uh, the keyword is puck. Just text that to us at 46862. And coming up in about 10 minutes, we'll pick a winner for our Comets four-pack for the Comets game on January 21st. Any idea who they play on January 21st? It's the Indy Fuel. Ooh, in-state rivalry with the Indy Fuel, January 21st at the Coliseum. Four-pack of tickets. Text the word PUCK to 46862. Big weekend. It is super, super wild card weekend. Super wild card weekend. Yeah. Yeah, not just any wild card weekend, but super wild card weekend. Um, and so uh, we want to take a look at what the games are, what the current lines are. First of all... Um, I think you've got a Seattle Seahawks team that's kind of wearing down at the end of the season. I think the Seahawks obviously were at their best probably through the first six, seven weeks. And I don't think they're at their best right now where I think the San Francisco 49ers have improved their football team throughout the year. Christian McCaffrey's been fantastic. Brock Purdy has played well. Is Brock Purdy going to play well against the Seahawks? I think playing at home takes some of the pressure off. I think the 49ers... I think they'll cover the nine and a half points. Even though it's a divisional matchup, I still think that I, I like a lot of the favorites here. I like the 49ers to cover the nine and a half points. Um, I like the Jaguars against the Chargers. I'm sorry. I just don't buy into the Chargers. Now we find out Mike Williams is going to be out for the Chargers. Got a fracture in his back and uh, he's going to be out weeks. And I, I, I still think. I was going to say, do you have any upsets? Sean Payton is going to uh, be the coach of the Chargers next year. I just think this is not going to go over well, especially if they lose. Yeah. Um, I, I think it, it's not going to go well for. Remember what the Chargers did last year, where they gave up the tie that would have put them in the playoffs. And, yeah. And so they already blew a playoff spot. Now this year they get the playoff spot, but did they blow the last week again? of the regular season by not playing it properly to get yourself set for the best success in the playoffs. I think this is almost a must win for Brandon Staley and the Los Angeles Chargers at the Jaguars, but I'll still take the points with the Jaguars. Um, I might go alternate though, because I hate two and a half. I love three and a half. I don't like two and a half. So I might want to go into the alternate spread, take an extra point. Dolphins, I mean, they've got a rookie quarterback. Yeah, I don't see them getting much of anything done. Buffalo, it sounds like there's a chance that uh, DeMar Hamlin is going to be there to lead them out of the tunnel or at least be there in some way. Yeah. 
and I, it's 13 and a half, and I, I don't think that even covers it. So I, I'm still going with the Bills and the big spread. I'm giving the points. Um, Minnesota Vikings are three-point favorites over the Giants. I'm staying away from that game because I really don't know uh, what to expect. Bengals, Ravens. We found out that Lamar is not going to play. So another quarterback that is out. Yeah, it's either going to be Tyler Huntley or Anthony Brown there for you. And uh, the Bengals are a better football team. you got to give eight and a half. That's a tough number to give up. I might go alternate spread and change it to six and a half. But uh, I'll give up points to Baltimore and take the uh, Bengals. Finally, the Cowboys and Tampa Bay. Look, Tampa Bay's not been that great of a football team this year. The Cowboys are a better football team. They ought to go into Tampa and prove it. I uh, I think I'll ride the Cowboys to end Tom Brady's season and possibly even his tenure in Tampa as there's a lot of buzz on whether uh, Tom Brady is going to end up somewhere else next season. Um, we've got high school basketball coming up, and that will be on the stream. On the radio, you're going to enjoy Purdue basketball taking on Nebraska. Isn't this kind of an exciting one tonight? You know, the Boilermakers are like 15-point favorites, and yet the last time these two teams played, it went to overtime. But Nebraska has not been playing that great on the road. They've gotten beat by 16, by 18. I think uh, Purdue takes care of business at Mackey Arena. Students are back, right? I, I think so. They That's should be. That a- that uh, atmosphere. I was going to say, I have no idea about a, um, a, a college-university uh, schedule. <laughs> I mean, Fletcher Lawyer and, uh, and Brandon Newman combined – to go like two for 14 from three in that game. They'll shoot better than that at home. I think the Boilermakers roll over the Cornhuskers. I think so, too. I think, yeah, as long as they handle business. and But, you know, it's Big Ten basketball, so just prepare for anything. And, and after uh, after the game, be sure to join us right here on the radio for our high school basketball postgame show. We'll come on after the Purdue game gets finished against Nebraska. We'll jump into the high school basketball postgame show presented by Parkview Sports Medicine live from the Northwood Pizza Hut. Caleb Hatch, uh, Michael McIntyre, and Eric Dutkevich giving you the full rundown of all the action tonight in high school basketball. Michael McIntyre right now standing by out at Snyder because the Snyder Panthers are welcoming the Homestead Spartans in a girls-boys doubleheader. And that will be on both games on our stream That's available at 1380thefan.com. You have to click the special banner for high school basketball at 1380thefan.com, and you'll have all the play-by-play. Just found out from uh, Mac that uh, Allie Stevens is only 13 points away from 1,000 in her career. And so extra storyline, I guess, with that game tonight. But uh, that game will be on the stream while we've got Purdue basketball here on the radio. We'll take a break. It's the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Strange weekend for me because no games. I mean, I don't have high school games tonight. Michael McIntyre is on the call out at Snyder High School for the Homestead Spartans and the Snyder Panthers. That's available on our stream at 1380thefan.com. Mastodons have a rare weekend off. They don't play again until Monday night when they will take on the Cleveland State Vikings. After Cleveland State plays IUPUI down in Indianapolis tomorrow, they'll make the trip up I-69 and the Dons and the Vikings. Last time these two teams played in Fort Wayne, three overtime thriller. Should be fun. Maybe you plan on joining us Monday. It will be a holiday, so some so many of you are probably getting set to enjoy a three-day holiday weekend. 
Enjoy your sports weekend. Plenty of football this weekend. That will do it for us. Thanks to our guest, Ball State coach Michael Lewis. Also, Dustin Dupirak from the Indy Star. We're out. We'll be back on Monday, 4 to 6, with another edition of the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM.